Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to Minisode 3 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your guide through trash cinema, your friendly neighborhood garbage can, Cayman Darty. And on today's Minisode, we're covering one of Japan's most unique horror films to date Evil Dead Trap. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to one of my best friends. He's got a mustache that the ladies love. And that's pretty much the only thing they love about him. His name's Bennett Thompson, and he's here today. Bennett, how are you? You know, the men love it just as much as the ladies. I get more compliments from men about the mustache by by a large margin. I mean, your mustache looks better than mine, so, I mean. It's better than Sam Elliott's from what I've heard. Ooh. Ooh. I didn't say it. I mean, you kind of just said it, but I, I mean, I don't really disagree. You have a handsome stash. Thank you. Well, enough about your mustache, Bennett. Let's jump into a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you guys rate and reviewed the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by emailing us your thoughts and questions to savetrashcinema at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at savetrashcinema or on Instagram at savetrashcinema. Now let's jump into a little overview of Evil Dead Trap. Now, I do want to point out from the beginning that this is going to be a little bit different than our normal minisodes. Our normal minisodes, we try to cover modern grindhouse, modern exploitation films, but we decided we'd spice it up a little bit tonight. So we're actually jumping back in time to the year 1988. We're going to Japan. Now, Evil Dead Trap is a horror film from director Toshiharu Ikeda and writer Takashi Ishii. Now, Ikeda and Ishii both worked to nominal success in the Japanese film industry, and it teamed up before as a director-writer combo to produce Ishii's manga series called Angel Guts. From what I've read and researched... We've all seen it. We've all seen the whole series, right? I mean, I don't know... I mean... No. It's an, it's an erotic manga, so... Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you want to admit that live on air, that's fine. I mean, hey, no judgments. Yeah, call me when you're ready for that episode. You, you get your kinks however you want to get them. It's fine. Um, but so they worked together on Angel Guts Part Six um, before teaming up again to do Evil Dead Trap. Now, for the film itself, the film follows Nami. She's a host of a late night home video program. After she receives a tape, which appears to be a real life snuff film, she and her crew investigate the location where she meets a man looking for his brother who warns her not to stay. As she gets closer to the truth, she and her friends are subjected to a brutal nightmare. Now, the film Evil Dead Trap will go on to spin off a couple of sequels, one direct sequel called Evil Dead Trap 2, Hideki, as well as a sequel that was unrelated to the first two films called Evil Dead Trap 3, Broken Love Killer. Getting your hands on either one of these movies apparently is incredibly difficult, but God knows if we can ever try. find copies, we will, we will review them, and there's a reason why. The film runs for an hour and 45 minutes and currently sports a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. 100%. Five reviews. It's only five, it's only five, five reviews. reviews. So you probably should take that with a grain of salt. Um, however, I think we both could testify to the fact that this movie deserves 
all the praise that we're oh, there will be today. seven reviews after tonight yes <laughs> well uh the film was released last year through unearth films if you guys have never heard of unearth films you should definitely check them out probably if and only if you are into some of the more extreme horror um they do release some trash cinema things like the unnameable um death wish things like that they have released before they're actually going to release a, a 4k a cut of Giver, which I'm very excited about. But if you haven't checked them out yet, please do. They're fantastic people. They release great films. You can also get a copy of a Serbian film there. So, you know. Yeah, if you listen to the show at all, you've heard that name before. I honestly had no idea until you just said it that they brought this back from the Evil Dead, as it were. They did. They did. Uh, but it, look, if you're not interested in physical media, that is totally fine uh, because you are in luck. You can stream this film right now through Amazon Prime Video. Um, so if you have a subscription, guess what? You can watch it for free. Or if you don't have a subscription or you just wanted to help support Unearth Films, you can watch the movie through their Vimeo channel. Um, so that's that. Now, with that overview out of the way, why don't we go ahead and get the show on the road? Evil Dead Trap, everyone. So here we are. We have just got through our family movie night. We're sitting here, Bennett and I together, and we've watched Evil Dead Trap. And I brought it to the table. Uh, Evil Dead Trap is, for me, is one of those special Has movies. nothing to do with Evil Dead. Oh, no, yeah. Let's this is that like, clear. I thought Evil yeah. Dead Trap, because time and place may have been some sort of parody, had a little bit of comic dusting to it, or just maybe even a straight ripoff, has nothing to do, save for a couple of almost honorary shots towards Sam Raimi, sure. the, to do with Evil Dead or the Evil Dead series. Nothing to do with it. Mm. No, you can definitely tell the, the film just kind of capitalized I didn't know. <laughs> on. Yeah, you can tell the film. Definitely just capitalized on the Evil Dead series. Um, at this time in 1988, you would be rolling right off the hills of Army of Darkness. So it makes sense. Now, I do kind of, I, I, you know, want to get in just initial thoughts, Bennett. We've just finished the movie. Tell me what you think. Just, just over top. Just give me the top down view. What do you, what did you think of Evil Dead Trap? Well, first off, let's get this out of the way. It's not Army of Darkness. It will always be Medieval Dead. I really enjoyed Evil Dead Trap. I had no idea. Again, came and brought this to the table. We pull it up. It's got 80-something views on Amazon Prime. I don't care how quickly they release this. There's It's double digits, and that's it. Five reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So not a highly watched film. But Cayman's bringing it to the table. Usually take that with a bucket of salt, but ready to play. Fuck you. You know, it's true. How often are you wrong? Not very often. And when you're wrong, it's just as fun. It's an hour and 45 minutes for an hour and 30 minutes. It really feels like it's a lot shorter. There's a 15 mm. minute gap that feels like it's about an hour by itself. But the movie flows really well. I enjoyed it because it's it's 1988, right? It's pre-digital. It's all practical effects and a hell of a lot of them. It's oh, yeah. over the top sound. It's, it's one of those throwback movies that was trying to be technological without challenging the boundaries of what might be new digital technology or anything. Just a lot of great physical effects 
and a lot of great stylization, filmed really well, a lot of fantastic sets. Uh, just, it's a big movie. It's a very big movie. It has a big movie feel to it. Um, it doesn't really follow the, the standard Hollywood scripts and definitely takes a couple of left turns. Takes a few left turns back to back to back really fast too. Uh, but thoroughly enjoyable. Big, big movie. Big in every aspect. Big cast, big extras, big sets, big sound. Um, great use of sound in space. Fun movie. Filled the yeah. time well. It did. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you on any of that. The, it's such a unique film because, in essence, it is a slasher film. In essence. There's some These, slashing. There is some slashing, but when you get like when you start getting through the movie itself, like you realize that like, it's definitely not what you think it is. And I think that's why like I enjoyed so much. And, and that's not even mentioning how the ending is. That's what this movie is known for is it's like just the, it just takes a hard left turn at the very end of the film. It goes off in like a whole different direction, which is incredible how they do it and what they do. Um, but like, you know, this, this movie, it's, it is a slasher film for majority of the it's film. It's a slasher. But it doesn't feel like a slasher. Like it's got, there's so many things happening that feel so like, it's just like very supernatural. It's got like um, very creepy. It just, there's something about it that just, it's unique, right? It doesn't feel really, boxed into slasher, right? There's no, definitely yeah. slasher elements, but it's not boxed in. There's definitely some sci-fi things to it. And as we mentioned, there's kind of a nod to Sam Raimi. There's definitely a nod to like Rid Ridley Scott. And a lot of the, again, part of the practical effects nature of the beast back then was you had a lot of people using a lot of the same techniques and, and sharing ideas. And you can definitely see these influence and really a lot of tips of the hat to to these other directors of those times in different genres it goes through some psychological stuff um there's there's a lot happening in a lot of different regards that keep it from being just a straight slasher i mean you're right to its core it, you can't not categorize categorize it as a slasher but it's far from just that it's more than just yeah. a basic slasher film there's a lot of giallo to it there's you know some argento 100%. spice in there um again and some really really big shots that um that, that really moved the, the world along, not in a way that a slasher doesn't. There, there's, again, some nods to a lot of these directors that show some of that, but um, far, fantastically done. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, and, you know, kind of what you said it, it, in regards to, like, the Giallo, the Argento, it's got moments where the film feels like it's, it's borrowing elements or inspiration from Sam Raimi from Evil Dead. And then you have moments where it feels like Lucio Fulci has is inspired some of the gore effects, especially the gore effects, very Fulci. And then you have like the very Argento Giallo genre of like the mass killer that you don't you just see like hands or you see feet or like the shadow in the distance. Um, but it definitely it still definitely is culturally it is Japanese. Um, and if you have it has yeah, that absolute ever, taste to it. It's big. If you ever watched like old Japanese horror films, like especially late 70s, 80s, and even some early 90s before Japanese films, especially in horror, got more into like the the ghost 
that's kind of what they're known for now. But like back in like the eighties, like this was a big thing. Like they would do a lot of stuff like this. And there was a lot of really cool underground horror from Japan that came out in the early, you know, late eighties, early nineties. It's definitely worth checking out. Like red room. Is another the great shit out of you. Shock the shit out of you before a lot yeah. of this stuff was the, the shock horror that we know, right? The advent of shock horror that we know was happening all over the place long before yeah. it really, as much as we thought, um, once you kind of get exposed to how much was out there and how nasty it was getting back then, you realize like, oh, we were barely scratching the surface. We just made money off it better than they did. You know, and it's I think the the one downside to like especially Japanese films in, in this particular genre is that they're very difficult to get your hands on today, at least in a manner in which you can watch them. Um, it's very rare that you're going to find these sorts of films streaming. Um, you might look out and might find something random on something like Tubi, because just Tubi is just so full of random stuff. Yeah. So you like, might find something like that there, but um, you know, getting a physical release is probably your best bet to try to watch it. But even then, getting a physical release that's that's not costing you hundreds of dollars and two is going to be one that's region player that you're not even going to be able to play it unless you have a region free blu-ray or dvd player which you know i've at least for me i own one and um i feel like it's if you're a physical media person you, you kind of have to have a, a region free player uh, but it is difficult for people who Nerd alert! <laughs> it's you know it's difficult for people who don't you know, do physical media. Um, but, you know, you all that's that's on Amazon Prime right now. If you've got Amazon exactly. Prime, you can watch this for free. No commercials, you... no interruptions. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's your value. This is what you, you just pay do for it. Amazon Prime for. So, initial thoughts. We're both high on it. So, let's do more of a breakdown. Let's get into some, some more of the meaty bits. Let's start off. Let's talk about story. So the film, like I said before, the film follows uh, Nami. She runs like a late night uh, radio show. And she's like an investigative reporter. She gets us like a snuff film that shows up on her door. Her, she takes it to her, new, her boss and her boss is like, this is a prank, but your ratings are falling and you need to spice stuff up. So look, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you probably should, if you want to do it, follow up on it because you're going to need something. So she gets her and her like production group together. They head off to what we find out later is like a military base. They've they get all to seen the film, film, right? They've all seen the snuff film. Yeah. So Not they've seen the boss. Like they've seen yeah. this. I mean, we saw it. It definitely wasn't comfortable. No. Yeah. There's, there's definitely an eye. An eye. If you, if you're, if you're scared or disgusted by things involving eyes, maybe close your own eyes before watching this particular scene. Well, um, so things. You, you might want to skip this one if you got an eye problem. Yeah, there's a couple eye scenes. So either way, you, you, they get to the military base. They start exploring. They're trying to find whoever sent this tape, and in the process, they come across this mysterious stranger who keeps saying that he's there looking for his brother. He's looking for his brother. He may, he alludes to the fact that he probably spent time in prison. So he's a sketchy dude, very mysterious, enigmatic, and he wears a suit with flip-flops. So, you know, <laughs> wrong, this is, yeah, this is 1988 and, and also sandals. Japanese. So, you know, this might may or may not work, but either way, they get their cigarettes off, you shake off each other. As the movie progresses, um, you end up in a scenario in which bad things start to happen because obviously they will. Um, 
I don't want to spoil too much because I mean, the ending is where like the film, like the crux of the film lies in the ending. Cause it, like I said before, it goes off rails and it's insane. But, but there's a just, lot that happens for, for a movie mm-hmm. that runs an hour and 45. There is a lot that doesn't feel like filler. You definitely get to know these characters decently well. There's some good development, but there's a lot that happens that leads you down a couple of different roads and makes you think you're going in a different direction before the final few twists of the end of the film. So it's, it's the pacing is really good. Yeah. Uh, the, again, I, I appreciate not giving spoilers, but, but for the, how the movie moves and operates works really well. So, so story-wise Bennett, does it, I mean, it sounds like the story works for you. I enjoyed it. I, I can understand why people would get heads or tails on the ending. Uh, but by that time, you know, that, that's the end of the roller coaster, man. You know, you've already had your hands up in the air. You've already gassed out every laugh and scream that you've got in you. And you're just ready to get off the train. And when it finally happens, it's 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 exciting and it's fun if you can take it that way. Or you can want to pretend like you saw which direction it was going. And then you got upset in the way that it didn't. So salty grapes to you if you don't like it. But I really enjoyed the ending. I enjoyed it all the way through to uh, to the many twists towards the end. But yeah. the development's so good. That's what a movie like this, it, it's kind of why I say it that way. The story pacing really pulls you in the right direction, keeps you guessing a little bit, wants you to look around that next corner, follow this character, see where people end up. Um, it's not just uh, one right after another, or you're expecting something to happen at some times. It gets slow only for a little bit, um, there's a few good jump scares in there. There's definitely mm-hmm. some fantastic uh, uh, um, effects work, magnificent effects. Lots of pyro. There's a ton of pyro in this movie. There's a ton of lighting done with uh, fire, um, both by mm-hmm. Zippo lighter and, and candlelight and flames and flaming buckets and fireworks. Lots of fireworks, lots of explosions. Uh, really uh, had to have a pretty good budget for that department as well, even yeah. uh, just considering it was absolutely impressive. So, I mean, I want to kind of put a pin in the in the kind of the the lighting and, and the atmosphere when we get to the to the next step. But kind of moving from from there, story really enjoyed it myself. I, I really enjoy just because you're right, the character development works really well. The pacing works incredibly well. The story moves at enough pace. The deaths occur when the deaths need to occur, and it keeps the ball moving, and it feels good. Now let's get into acting. Now this is where I always find myself having a little bit of a hang-up, especially when discussing like foreign films. Um, it's tough because there's that, like, um, I think the language barrier. I mean, I don't speak Japanese at all. Um, and you know, there's some things like, you know, you can definitely tell from like, uh, if you watch like the Spanish, like soap operas on like Telemundo, like you can tell like when people are overacting. Um, I don't feel like at any point during the film, did it feel like anyone was overacting now, whether or not I can say that they were doing a fantastic job. Like I said, the language barrier there is very difficult. But I felt like overall, each character brought something to the table and every actor and actress like did what they needed to do. Um, and it worked like you you could feel like their emotions. You could feel when they were terrified 
uh, a lot of body language was involved. Right, and you could kind of tell, like, you know, you, you could tell who the cool guy is, not just by how he yeah. dressed, but how he moved, how he spoke, um, how he was always lighting cigarettes and, and yeah. shifting away and exiting. And it wasn't just him. There was a lot of those characters that you really got to understand through the rest of their actions. You're right, you're not going to escape that that language barrier. There's definitely some some dialogue that doesn't make sense in a standard English fair, but that's that's the whole point, right? This is their their art and the way they represent in this in this cinema world and it's it's translated well. I think the acting is fantastic for a movie like this where you get to see heightened emotions, right? Mm. You get to see depths and lows and and highs and emotional power you know that that can always translate regardless and there's there's that in in spades across the board there's some really fantastic moments um you know it's not gonna forest gump you to death but there's some some really good moments that'll get you feeling a number of different ways and that's translated really well by the acting yeah i agree um moving from acting let's talk about music this is something that's really big for both of us in films you know in the last couple of minisodes we've done you know we've talked about with fresh the way that they utilize um you know canadian indie pop really well uh and then with something like titan that was like with the utilization of music in titan was incredible um this movie has no licensed music. However, it does have a theme song. And that theme song plays almost the entire film. It's and quite odd. for me, we you know we joked so much while like there's like we're gonna dedicate to one song and one song only. Like we had like a like a running joke while watching it because this theme it was like I think there's three total tracks. Okay. I think yeah. there's the main theme, which is definitely this ethereal kind of creepy uh, pinging on a clear Casio keyboard synthesizer. Uh, it's it's very simple but melodic, and it definitely has a dissonant tone to it. Then there's kind of a carnival theme, right? It, it's kind of got some yeah. toots yeah. and some brass and some shine to it. And again, these kind of just come out of nowhere. They seep in really well, and you just am I hearing it right? Part of it's the big set design too, the way they creep the music in. And then there's one that we considered like lightweight industrial music we called it eight inch nails uh just yeah. very you know banging things on sheet metal and and making noise in tempo so i, I guess to kind of explain it to the audience um the best way to to think of this is that the halloween theme song just imagine if they played the halloween theme song 30 to 40 times throughout the running of halloween now what ends up working in its favor where i think some films it this might not work is that the song is eerie yet catchy and it's implemented in both like injected yeah it's it, the way that they do it is like you'll have times where it's like barely audible you can hear it just enough and then what they'll end up doing is they'll like crank it up when things get intense. And the way that they use the sound design, I think works really well. And there's one scene in particular that I really enjoyed uh, later towards the end of the film. They drop like there's no sound at all. Well, there, there's like ambient noise of like right. sneakers on ground. And it is a very intense scene where the the main actress she's 
like lurking through a corridor trying to like like basically try to el- elude the the killer and so my favorite these... in cinema and any kind of suspense story yeah. is when you just drop sound to the bare minimum it's it's one yeah. of the things that catches you off guard you don't realize how often you're inundated by sound in most movies and when it really drops out in a suspenseful moment uh, especially one that that moves that way really good scene and, and it, wouldn't yeah, it work I mean, any better with sound no yeah and i think that that's the thing is we a lot of times we get and, and look i'm gonna just be completely honest with you i think modern modern hollywood films that aren't you know academy award winning nominated movies especially horror films um they like to just juice up they like to just jam in as much audio as possible because it's like it it's almost like they think that that like ramping up the music is going to increase the tension when in reality in this particular scene the reduction of audio heightens the tension because you know at any moment it's going to come back and it's going to be like blast your eardrums out when something crazy happens and so i like the sound design is is phenomenal in this movie and i think we're in you know like you said there's really only three tracks in the whole movie (laughs) i think they're all played really well and they're they're catchy enough and they're used well enough that it doesn't become annoying when you hear it for the 40th time where like i was like by the end of the movie i'm like man i want you won't forget it it's earwormed that's permanent i'm like i want this like on like a 15 minute loop so that when i'm like just being creepy around my own home you know (laughs) some djs put it on yeah i just put this on vinyl for me please um well okay so we're we're gonna get to the last one and this is the biggest one normally and something i think that this movie does really well and that's directing the cinematography the lighting um basically the whole way the whole thing is shot it is neon lights there there's a lot of scenes where like ben mentioned earlier that are lit with by flame and that like the radiant light um there's also scenes that are incredibly dark and then you've got like they throw in like home video cam thrown in you know periodically and then they do like the snaking camera like you would see in evil dead or the opening of halloween um all of these different elements they would seem just from the the outlook is that they wouldn't work like because they're so chaotic mm. right Bennett, do you think that that these elements that they just all kind of pulled together do you think it works i do i I liked the color palette a lot it's a lot of soft blues and a lot Mm. of oranges and light reds um it's not like neo tokyo by any sense but there is definitely a color palette involving shades of blues and purples and oranges uh, a lot from the light right we get a lot of dark scenes and a lot of very large sets that that require big lighting and uh we, we get a lot of lighting that's done only with a, an incredibly powerful Zippo lighter that produces an unbelievable amount of lumens, but mm-hmm. the, the lighting really does work uh, in a phenomenal way. We see a lot of big flame scenes uh, that really carry the light there as well. And we get to see a lot of day and night too. You know, we, we get a lot of both worlds that really show good direction and good use of, of of the the world that they're in but the the scenery that the set design that the scale 
of this film is one of the things that impressed me the most. You really, uh, one of the things that I like along with the, the silent moments is when you feel real claustrophobia, not just by bringing in the camera close, but really drawing in the sense of the world and the scope and the sounds around you and what that feels like. And to do that and translate that is, is often difficult um, or can feel just stilted and thrown in. They do that a couple of times in this movie. You really get a grand sense of scale uh, it, it feels like one of those movies, again, it, it feels big. It feels like it was filmed on a big budget with big cameras and a big crew. Uh, the, the, the way that the movie is shot, especially when it comes to a lot of the scenes that involve practical effects, which is one of the things about filming effects is how you actually direct through them, what makes them look the most real instead mm -hmm. of trying to get the most screen time for what clearly took a lot of time to produce, but making sure that you edit that really well instead of just oversaturating it with, but we made this really cool effect and we want to show 90 seconds of it when really we only need about 15 seconds. They did that phenomenally well. I kept watching for that. Uh, and we get a lot of instances of that as well. Uh, and all those are lit really well. There's You're not like scratching your head and guessing. There's one scene that's very reminiscent of Ridley Scott and uh, and the, the alien saga. Um, that's done really well with that kind of backlit and, and you see that the light really shaping off of the goo that's coming off and happening. Mm. Um, it's those, those scenes are really difficult to shot and to edit, to pare down so that it looks really fluid and it feels as real as it possibly can. And I'm always yeah. for great practical effects. Yeah, I think, and this is like, the, I think the big thing here, especially when dealing with, cause this isn't like, you know, modern trash cinema. This isn't, you know, French extremity that's known for its well-composited sequences. Um, these older films, I mean, this is very much a trash cinema film. Like, these older films, they are not known for having really good cinematography, but this movie does. Like, there's so many really good scenes. There's one scene in particular where one of the characters is using her camera and using her shutter light to essentially mm -hmm. try to illuminate the room. And she's like continuing to snap shot. So there's like a strobing effect. And the way the strobing effect works is you can see like the, the killer kind of come into the room and like snake around them. And the way that it's all shot is the cameras spinning alongside following the killer as well as the group. Um, like you, that's inc incredible. Really that's you, a great yeah. You don't see that often in a film that, you know, shouldn't be this, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't include something like this. Like, right. you know, a lot of these movies are more cheese, sleaze and, and blood and guts. And this movie has an abundance of blood and guts um, and a little bit of sleaze. A little but bit. The, but the compositing these shots together are pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, and at times it's, it's shocking. Like, like Ben has said, like you could tell this movie, didn't have like you know that this movie didn't have some you know enormous budget but what they used and how they utilized every single thing um to to make it look that way to make it's it look large. like it had such a bigger scale um it's, it's truly impressive and i think is a really good example of like how you can hone your craft in a way that you can utilize a smaller budget, utilize what you do have on hand to make something really nice um but now we're moving on to the last segment. 
This is what we normally do. If you've never listened to another episode of Save Trash Cinema and you've only listened to minisodes, this is would be a new segment for you. Normal episode of Save Trash Cinema when we talk about a film like this. We ask the question, should this film be saved or should this film be canned? So Ben and I will ask you the question, do we save this movie or do we can this movie? I'm going to agree with the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes and give it a 100% save. You save this movie. You watch this movie now. You get it popular on Amazon Prime. It's completely free right now if you have Prime. you got no excuses not to watch this. It's a fantastic way to fill a night. Guarantee you, you haven't seen or heard of this before you have. If you're listening to this, I'm going to call you out. It. I had so much fun with this, and it wasn't just because I was watching it with my my horror family. It's it's a well done film, top to bottom. Great cinematography, magnificent uh, uh, effects, practical effects. Um, it's not overly gory. It's not like littered and just doused in blood. Uh, but there's just enough. It's it's got plenty of good jump scares, but it doesn't rely on jump scares. Big movie again. I've said this before. Big feel, big scenes. Lots of big camera angles, highs, lows, lots of moving camera effects, lots of flashing lights, like Cayman was saying, with the fire, fireworks, flash on cameras, uh, the, the way they transition because of who they are and how they're using cameras and some of the ways the cameras go backwards. It's There's a lot happening. It moves really well for an hour and 45 minutes. I had one of the best times I have had in a minute watching a film like this. Uh, 100% save this film. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Uh, Evil Dead Trap is is one of my favorite um, vintage horror films, especially Japanese horror films. Um, I don't think that the Japanese slasher film gets enough credit. There's a lot of really good ones out there. Um, a lot of times, like I said before, Japan is known more for its ghost stuff. Of you know things like Ringu and The Grudge or Juon. Um, infection is another like hidden gem if you've never seen it check that one out uh but it's known for its ghost films um this is not a ghost movie this is uh it has supernatural elements but this is not a ghost movie this is not the creepy girl in all white with long black hair and um this is a it's a gory movie um tastefully gory it the gore works it's not overly done or too abundant um, but they use it in, in the way that makes it work. And the film itself is just really fun. And with that ending, oh boy, that ending. If you watch this movie, just watch it for the ending because that will catch you off guard and is so much fun. Um, but yeah, I 100% think that this film should be saved. And um, like, like we've said multiple times at this point, it's on Amazon Prime for free. It's on Amazon Prime. You got a subscription. Just trust us. Just Cost watch you it. Well, thank you guys for joining us for this week's mini-sode. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here. So please, please. do us a favor. If please. you like the show, tell everyone. Also, fuck Keith. Fuck Keith. Fuck that guy. If you're interested in video games, check out our main podcast, the Spotlight mm -hmm. Games Podcast, on all of your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen and watch us banter about video games there as well. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Cayman or our main podcast at Spot Games Pod on Twitter and at Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram. If you want to be part of the show, whether it be a guest host or have a movie recommendation, you can reach us at SaveTrashCinema at gmail.com or SaveTrashCinema on all socials. Remember, Fight big box office.
Save, save trash, trash cinema. cinema.